Welcome to The Read Along. A mini book club for your ears. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at at a time. time. Do you like talking about movies? Do you like talking about mediocre movies? Do you like talking about how you could have fixed mediocre movies? Well, I certainly do, and you can listen to me, Scott C. Bourgeois, along with my co-hosts Greg Beaver and Liam Kreswick, as we give our notes, and I have some notes. You can follow it now on your podcatcher of choice, or support it by visiting patreon.com slash I have some notes. So I was never really a yard person. (laughs) Me neither. Yeah. um, I mean, my parents had yard when I was younger. Um, I helped mow the lawn and stuff when I was a kid. It was one of my chores. But since then, like, my parents lived in a succession of condos where, like, the outside work was largely taken care of. And then I moved in with you in an apartment condo. Yep, where there was zero yard at all. Indeed. And then we moved to a townhouse condo where, again... Most of the outside work was being taken care of, and our backyard consisted of mostly a patio. Yeah, there was no lawn to speak of that we needed to care about. And what grass we did have was, like, six six square feet of grass was all we had. Uh, Now we live in a house with an enormous backyard. It's huge. It's got basically a a mature forest in it. Yes, it's lovely. Uh, I love it. It's glorious, but... Suddenly, I find myself needing to be a yard person. Right? Suddenly, we're going to have to learn how to take care of an outside. And so my mom, who's helped us with some of the move-in stuff, came over uh, last week after we had recorded and uh, helped me deal with some of like the, what I'm going to call the fall takedown of some of the stuff that was (laughs) already in place. That included like flowers that they had planted before we moved in and vines of hops yeah, they're Just, beautiful. Yeah, they climb lattice next to the deck. They're obviously being used for some privacy, but they were they were way overgrown. Yes. And we spent most of the afternoon just like hacking our way through <laughs> vines. It was nuts and a lot of work. Yes. And hopefully not as much work next year. Yes. Well, we'll see what happens when it grows back. We've been reassured it's going to grow back, so it'll be interesting. Yeah. We've Learning got, about our yard. We've got some garden plots. We've got a bunch of lawn that needs mowed now. We've got we've got fruiting trees. Right? Never yeah. had a crab apples before. Yeah, it's a it's a whole new experience here at Shea Read Along. <laughs> Adulting. Woo. Yeah. So that's kind of the adventure that I've had in the last week. It's been a learning experience for us. Nita, do you call yourself a green thumb person? No. I am bad at houseplants. I have successfully killed Almost everything I've ever been given that lives inside a pot. I don't think I should be allowed to touch the outside. (laughs) And yet. And yet, uh, here we are in this big house with this huge lawn. That you're going to have to help me with. And all these garden boxes. I'm going to have to learn, aren't I? You're going to have to learn. Here we go. Yeah. Prepare for some dead plants as I get the hang of it. I'm sorry, plants. I don't try to kill you. This is our life now. (laughs) That's uh, that's kind of the the latest in New House Adventures. (sighs) Oh. It's good times. Yeah. You want to know what else is good times? Reading a good mystery. 100%. Yeah. And as always, we have found the time to read yet another chapter, and uh, we should get into it, I think. Agreed. Yeah. So a brief recap of our previous chapter, chapter 22. 
in which we get a little more information about Anita Moody as McLaughlin uh, conducts his side investigation while the queen continues to be distracted by affairs of state and Rosie is dwelling on the case, but just doesn't have enough of the picture to be able to put something together yet. Yeah. But I think we get a little bit more of that picture. Quite a bit. As we move into chapter 23 of The Winds Are Not by S.J. Bennett. So we start with the queen. Yeah, this chapter opens with like some beautiful character work. I think, on the queen. Yeah. Right? She's not dwelling on the mystery. She's not putting two and two together. She's just being herself. She's just being Elizabeth for a little while. Right? Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. She goes to uh, basically spend a little time in the private chapel, offers a little prayer to the victims of the mystery she has not been able to solve yet. Indeed. Yeah. And uh, basically take a breather from all of the craziness of the past several weeks. Yeah. The problem is she's the queen. And so... Craziness is sort of her her life. Yeah, and unfortunately, solving mysteries is not her full-time job. Queening is her full-time <laughs> Queening job. Queening is her full-time job. Uh, solving mysteries is her hobby, and unfortunately, she just hasn't had time to hobby the last couple weeks. Which is she unfortunate. Wa- yeah, she wanted to have the mystery solved before her birthday. Yep. But it just didn't come together. Nope. And now it's weeks later, and I, I feel like it's weighing on her a bit that she hasn't been able to find a satisfying answer yet. Right. I feel like... She probably would have been done with everything by now if she was just allowed some time to process. Yeah. And she just hasn't been given that time. It's been such a busy couple weeks. Yeah. Right? Like, I really think that she could have had this solved already if people knew this was what she's doing and just gave her the space to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and in fairness... It's been hard to get some of the pieces of the puzzle, but finally she's handed enough of the puzzle by the end of this chapter that even she thinks she's pretty close to having it solved. Maybe. She's certainly getting somewhere. Yeah, and I think we were pretty close to having it solved too. Well, I'm getting a bit ahead of yeah. us. And but uh, credit's where, where it's due. It was your idea. Well, it, it was building upon some of your ideas. Thank you. It was collaborative. So anyway, after we've spent some time with the queen, we cut to... McLaughlin. McLaughlin. I just, I like all the huh in it. <laughs> We cut to Billy McLaughlin. McLaughlin, by the way, is such a great detective name. Oh, it's so good. I would watch a detective serial called McLaughlin. (laughs) But you would you would overpronounce it every time. It would be McLaughlin, right? You just you got a cuck, lots of cuck in your throat. Well, we would, but (laughs) McLaughlin, like he sounds like a grizzled detective with like a constant five o'clock shadow, even (laughs) after he's shaved, like ham fisted, going around solving mysteries. Billy McLaughlin. Private eye. Private eye. I love it. Yeah. And he's good at it, too. Good enough that he- That's the best part. Yeah, good enough at it that not only has he cracked, uh, I would say, a major clue in the case, Mm -hmm. but he also recognizes that he's being tailed. Oh, yeah. Like, he's good. He's really good. Yeah. He's being followed by professionals, and he's better than they are, and I like that. Actually, in fairness, he chides them for being very amateur. Fair enough. Um, one of them is driving a very obvious car with diplomatic plates. And he's like, well, that's a tail. <laughs> yep. That's not even a subtle tail. And then when that one kind of recognizes that he's been made and takes off, a more subtle tail starts following him. But he's still like, okay, well, I, I recognize that tail too. <laughs> Especially because he tests it out by taking the most circuitous route 
Right? Possible. He goes like half an hour out of his way to like a weird winding route to get home. And... Yeah. And the tail follows him <laughs> the whole way. And he's like, yeah, that guy's following me. There's yeah. no way that this guy accidentally took this there's, route. There's no way that this is a lost Uber driver. So while he's followed, he's not accosted. He's being watched right now. That unfortunately does get him home much later than he intended. And he's like, I could put a call into Rosie right now and give her the information. But you know what? I think I'd rather give it to the queen directly. And he's one of those people who knows, number one, the queen's direct line. And number two, exactly when to call her so that she'll have the time to take the call. Right? Like, he's very good. Yeah. So he's like, I'm going to have to sit on this tonight. And I dare someone to try to break in here and take me out or something. Like, he's, <laughs> he's literally thinking, like, I can handle myself. Because he's McLaughlin. Of course. And that basically takes us to the next day when, indeed, he calls the queen at one of those little in-between times where she's got, like, five to ten minutes to herself. Yeah. Like, so, I love this part where someone comes in with a phone, like, a physical old-fashioned phone yep. on a tray. Yep. Clearly, like, with wires trailing behind them mm -hmm. to deliver a phone <laughs> to the queen who's like, yes, I have seven minutes. Go. Like, it's... It's amazing. Yeah, and McLaughlin basically fills her in on everything that he found out. The key thing that we don't know that he had already dug up about Anita Moody was visiting this professor. Yes. Which was kind of the cliffhanger from last chapter. Basically, when he spoke to the professor, the professor was out of sorts because he recognized that something was up. Because the last time he saw Anita, it was unusual. Yeah, she was really upset. Yeah, she came and visited kind of out of the blue. She essentially had a nervous breakdown on his front lawn. She was paranoid, acting like she was being followed and that someone meant her harm. Yeah, like she was gen she wasn't upset so much as she was terrified. Yeah. Professor Devecki. Yeah. Which is how I've been saying it. When when he was recalling all of these things to Billy McLaughlin, I think I think he was realizing it as he was telling the story. Yeah, you get like, that you impression. Know what? She seemed just genuinely terrified. Yeah. And Billy's like, nah. -ha. It wasn't that she was despondent or depressed, which is kind of how the story of her death is being spun. Yeah. She was scared. She was scared. She was scared and she was running and she went to someone she trusted to get comfort. And unfortunately, she has no family locally because they're all overseas in Hong Kong teaching English. Right. So this is kind of where we find ourselves. And that's the last time probably that someone saw Anita Moody alive. Mm, possibly. So it's possible that someone else saw her in between then. Yeah. But like we're, Billy was very much narrowing down everyone she had spoken to in her last couple days. Yeah. Right? I think this corroborates... Our accusation from last episode. Certainly my accusation from last episode. <laughs> it was yours, for sure. Yeah. Because we had posited last episode, in, in my bold accusation, that Anita Moody had killed Maxim Brodsky because she was in disguise as Dr. Rachel Stiles right. at the meeting that night. Right. He made her, and then she killed him. We didn't have an exact motive. I think that this corroborates that. I think that if Anita did this rash action, like she was made or Brodsky was trying to hit her up for money or something, and in a moment of panic, she smacked him over the head with a heavy blunt object yeah, and, and then, then staged, it. staged it to make it look like it was an accidental autoerotic asphyxiation. And then obviously word of this gets back to her handlers because she's working there as a spy. And suddenly they're like, you did what? Because now she's a liability. She's committed a murder. If she gets found out, 
the whole espionage thing might get found out. So they silence her as quickly as possible and stage it to look like an accident, both killing off Dr. Rachel Stiles and Anita Moody at the same time so as to alleviate suspicion. Yeah, because they're the same person. Because they're actually the same person. And again, the strand of hair that was found on Brodsky is linked to Dr. Rachel Stiles because that's the body in the morgue. Right. It's been identified as Dr. Rachel Stiles, not as Anita Moody. There's no reason to investigate it further, so they're just like, oh, well, it's Dr. Rachel Stiles' hair then. Yeah, right? Yeah. Now, this does kind of fall apart in a couple places. Okay. The world assumes that we have two different people here, a Rachel Stiles and an Anita Moody. Yeah. But wouldn't someone notice that we only have one body? Well, not if Anita's body was never recovered. Like, it's, it gets out that she's committed suicide. Has anybody seen the body? Is there an official account of her suicide? Her friends know she committed suicide. Yeah. And that's easy enough to leak to a person's circle of friends. But at some point, somebody would notice that there isn't a body, right? Like, her family would need to come identify her somehow, right? Like, even if her family is overseas, somebody would have to notice that there is or is not a body. If she threw herself into the Thames... Fair enough. Nobody's ever going to be recovered. And if she left a suicide note, that's a pretty good indication that she committed suicide. Fair enough. And that's all very easy to stage. And that all explains away why Anita's body is not recovered, but Dr. Rachel Stiles' body is lying in the morgue. Yeah. Okay. If they're one in the same. Yes. That is us filling in some blanks. It is absolutely us filling in some blanks. But we don't have any word of a body for Anita Moody. That's fair. We don't. We do have word of a body for Dr. Rachel Stiles. We definitely do. That's also an assumption we made, that the body they're pairing the hair to was the body in the morgue, which is attached to the name Rachel Stiles. Yes. Right. Which See, which I'm pretty sure has been corroborated. They do have that body. Yes. I think. A hundred percent. Okay, good. That was glad, mentioned earlier. I'm on. glad you're confident in yeah. that. And Dr. Rachel Stiles would only have to be identified by an acquaintance because she also conveniently has no local family. <laughs> her father is dead, her mother is dead, and her brother is in the wind. Right. Could be anywhere. How convenient. How convenient. I'm just saying, yes, we are we are plugging some holes. We are making some reasonable deductions that fill in some of those holes. But it fits together still. Yeah. There's nothing that completely falls apart based on this. And if she was engaged in espionage, it would explain why Billy is being tailed now by people who are associated with whatever entity she's been doing the espionage for because he's he's snooping in the right places and it's drawn attention yeah and it's something that the queen even mentions at the end of this chapter she talks about how billy's handed her a lot of puzzle pieces now and she's starting to get the picture she's starting to piece it together herself she actually feels at the end of this chapter she's close to cracking the case yeah as she thinks of that she also recognizes you know what it pains me to admit humphrey's was close. He's barking up the wrong tree, but I'm thinking when she's saying that, she's saying there was a spy in the building that night, and that spy did commit the murder, but not it wasn't the spy he thinks it is, the spy wasn't placed where he thought it was, and the target wasn't on purpose. Yeah, and the like the reasons behind it are Yeah, the motive way off. the motive was completely different. So Humphreys like a broken clock <laughs> happened to be right on this one thing but is wildly off base everywhere else. Yeah. So yeah, so the queen has a sit down and she's got all these pieces that she's listed off, right? She's got yep. Dr. Rachel Stiles, the eyes, and I'm not sure if she's talking about the young man who couldn't look her in the face or the weird look that she got from Dr. Stiles when she asked about the cross. Uh, could be either. It could be the guy who couldn't look her in the face, actually, if he was involved in the espionage. Right. It might have something to do with it. Because he she, was late to the meeting. It's true. She's got to ponder the hair found on Brodsky's body. Yep. 
And uh, for some reason, these knickers are still a thing. Yeah, she's actually still kind of hung up on on what was going on with that. Right? Yeah. Right. So she's got all of these pieces. They don't fit perfectly together. So she's still got to suss it out. Yeah, she's got the broad outline. I think the same way that we have the broad outline. I think we know who done it at this point. It's just we don't know the exact circumstances, the exact timeline of the night, or what the full motive was. Yeah. Or who she was working for. Or who she was working for. By the end of this chapter, right, like, you know it's going to be an international incident, right? This is one little thing that's tipped off to something much, much bigger. Yeah. Because she mentions, uh, like, how the country might be in danger. And I was like, oh, no. What have these people gotten themselves into? Well, yeah, because if it was, if someone was spying on a on an important international meeting involving espionage, then yeah. Yeah, the, the big deal. National security could be affected by that. Right? So the queen has to swing in and save everybody, as she does. As she does. <laughs> I think that's a good place to end it for today. Yeah, well, and that's where the chapter ends as well. It's so true. Uh, and also the part. Yes, we are done with part three. We are on to part four, A Brief Encounter. Yeah, where hopefully in the fourth act of our story, answers will be had. Oh, I'm excited for answers. Indeed. I want to see Her Majesty put all this together and yeah. do something amazing. Yeah. And find cool. out find out how off base we might have been with our <laughs> accusations. Possibly wildly off base. I guess we'll have to see. While we're checking that out, you'll want to read up on chapter 24 in time for next week. Uh, as always, you can, of course, give us a little rating and a review on your podcatcher of choice. We do appreciate those. We do. We also appreciate you reaching out on social media. 100%. We are on... X, formerly known as Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Goodreads. We are at the Read Along on most of those, so you can find us like that. Yeah, you can also find us via email. Yes, please do even. We are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. Part four! Thank you for joining us on The Read-Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois. All read-along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read-Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Goodreads.com